0: Hello, and welcome to In Common, a podcast and community where we explore the spiritual practice of grief, trusting that it leads to our healing, gives us a new sense of freedom, and empowers us to imagine and embody a better way forward. We believe this dimension of our human experience is something we all have in common, and we don't have to do it alone. My name is Dana Solomon, and today I'm joined by Anton Farrow to chat about growth. As always, these conversations are meant to be accessible, but the content will be vulnerable and challenging. So let's jump in. Hi, Anton.
1: Hello, Dana. (laughs) How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. What's up?
1: Man, I'm just excited to be here with you. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, you know. There's nobody
1: I would rather have a combo with around growth. (laughs) Yeah. Around growth. I mean, we both uh, you know, want to know and have been seeking how to how to figure out what growth really means, mm-hmm. at least for me. So, I'm excited to have this combo.
0: Yeah, me too. I think I'll take a second because I'm diverting from our usual podcast format of grief and reimagining um But I think this episode was really important to me to pause because this question kind of came up in the past couple weeks of just like spaces that I've been in, experiences that I'm having. And I think it's actually a really good picture of what the I mean, if you want to call it deconstruction or rebuilding, reframing of the way of Jesus in general i think it's important to even include that in the process of the podcast of like it's not always just like hey part 1 part 2 it's not always structured like that something happens and we have a new question and i think that's what's happened in my world over the past few weeks and um I mean, also just our world in the past few years. So it's not like it's anything new, but it does kind of have these waves of coming up and down of like, oh, this question feels really potent right now. And so I think it's important to pay attention to those things. Like I really believe our minds and our souls like bring up things that want to be healed. And so I think if we stick to structure too much that we miss those opportunities to really pay attention to what's going on. Um, And so Growth that's kind of come up in the past couple of weeks for me. I've been, I mean, I've grown up in a lot of evangelical spaces, but I've also been in some recently, and it just got me thinking so hard on this concept and this commodity almost of the American church of growth. It's just centered around growing numbers, um, growing. I mean, if you want to call it maturity, like what they would probably call like maturity spiritually. Um, and so we were talking a little bit about that. I think just even very simply, what is real growth? And so I'd love to even just start by hearing your thoughts on, you know, you didn't grow up in evangelical spaces. Um, and so maybe just what's what's your take on the evangelical idea of growth?
1: Wow. Okay. So specifically what what do I see in the evangelical space? Is that what you're asking?
0: Yeah, like, and what was your experience? Because you've been able to not be, you yeah. know, indoctrinated since you were growing yeah. up. And so I think to come into that space with a narrative of growth as an adult is probably a different experience than growing up as it being yeah. the normal narrative of your life.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm 34 and I started following Jesus and the way of Jesus when I was 23 in New York City. And so I've been, you know, trying to figure out how to follow Jesus for about a decade. Mm -hmm. So not that long, but I think, you know, I was already 23. So I was growing up and I was using my own mind to think about things. So there's a lot of things I saw in in the churches I was attending at first that I was like, this is really weird. But I would say, I mean, it's pretty standard. What I was told the way to grow was summed up in do more, try harder, be better. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was like, read your Bible more, pray more, share your faith with random people more. Um, it was just a lot of more. Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of what I feel like was what I was being taught. I think the thing that's really frustrating about that is that actually works for some types of people. Mm-hmm. So for me, it I was good at that. Yeah, and so I guess I was growing mm-hmm. to their to their standard. Um,
0: so yeah, what would you say? because obviously I would say your path has now diverted from that idea of growth. And so even though you were good at it, why do you think it, you know, was it not enough? Was it, what was your experience with that? That was like, well, this isn't it.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, even when I first started, started following Jesus, I was always confused with the things I was reading and the things I was experiencing. So even though it was, what people were saying as the way to grow. Um, it didn't feel, it never felt that good in the sense of, I didn't feel like I was growing. Mm-hmm. I was like, Hey guys, like this doesn't feel like what I'm reading about. Why are we not talking about healing? Why aren't we talking about prophecy? Why aren't mm-hmm. we talking about, you know, this culture that Jesus was forming through extended family. Mm -hmm. And so no, that wasn't really ever talked about in some of the spaces I was in. As I, over the first few years, I went to a lot of different churches. So I did start to see, you know, some environments that would like talk about healing. But Mm -hmm. in general, um, it just, it wasn't, it didn't feel like what I kind of felt intuitively like it was supposed to feel like. And Mm -hmm. so that was really... I was always unsettled. And that's why, you know, I started, you know, even when I met you, Dana, I I was already kind of really exploring, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's got to be more. There's got to be, there's got to be more Mm -hmm. to this. Or this is a really bad hobby and I might as well just stop doing it. That's what it always felt like. It felt like a bad hobby. Mm -hmm. And. I was the kind yeah, of per-
0: not even a good hobby.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was I was the kind of person that was not going to embrace this mm-hmm. forever if it wasn't legit. And so yeah. I went on a journey of really trying to figure it out. And, you know, coming to some really great conclusions over the last 5 years. But I feel like our community and the community that my my partner Courtney and I started is really just a community of being willing to explore Mm -hmm. and change.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Yeah. I think just as you talk, I'm, I'm just realizing it's like, even we talk about this a lot that it's like, we're in a church in America. And so it's obviously going to be very influenced by that culture, just like any church will be influenced by the culture that it's in. I think that's fairly normal, even though we like to critique that. Um, But even just hearing you say, that it's like a bad hobby. It's like, Oh, it's interesting because the church does seem to be like selling something. Um, even the spaces that I was in, you know, recently it just felt like a sales pitch. I was like, Whoa, like you're trying to sell me either this idea of growth or you're trying to sell me if I don't know, you know, Jesus, or if I haven't quote been saved Um, then you're selling me that message. Um, So I don't know. I think we were talking about that a little bit, just about growth as the commodity of the American church and how it's only reflective of more like an empire culture or just an American culture in general. Um, And it sort of falls under the umbrella of like church operating like a business. So why don't you tell me just, I mean, just your thoughts on that. I know we were talking about that a little bit last night, but just how, I mean, is there supposed, I mean, is there supposed to be a commodity of the church? Like, is that even a thing? Should we even be in that space? Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's good. I, as you said that my first, um, my first thought was I've been reading a lot of Walter Bruggeman lately. And I just read a book by him called Sabbath as Resistance, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And he says this, he says, the way of mammon, and mammon is just capital and wealth. So the way of wealth Mm. is the way of commodity. That is the way of endless desire, endless productivity, and endless restlessness without any Sabbath. And Jesus taught his disciples that they could not have it both ways. And what he's referring to is Jesus taught his disciples they can't worship God and money. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, the church can't be a commodity uh, because it's either going to be um, worshiping God or worshiping money. And Mm -hmm. Jesus just said you can't have both. So either it's about endless production, endless growth, endless movement, endless fill in the blank, or it's actually going to be a community that worships God. And it's interesting just to really think about the fact that Jesus says it's one or the other. That's really challenging to me because it says we can't actually have both. Mm -hmm. And I think our, I think commonplace the community that Courtney and I lead could actually finally be stepping into the place mm-hmm. where we're getting closer to worshiping God and not Mammon,
0: yeah, totally,
1: even though we came up here to leave the Mammon mm-hmm. it's it's really hard, mm-hmm. and it's relentless, mm-hmm. the pressure to just to never stop,
0: yeah, so talking about you know the endless production. I think that's something that I feel is like the question that I always would come back to is like, so am I ever going to be enough? Like, is what I'm doing ever going to be enough? I I still don't think there's some point of like arrival in life, but I think that that kind of was the proverbial finish line of evangelical growth, like what was promised to me. And I think that's what we were, that's kind of how we started this whole conversation is like, I was in these spaces and I'm like, wow, like, it just makes me want to ask what is enough, you know, and, and what are, like, what are you finding in our community? You know, I, I agree. I think we're entering a season where we finally might be tapping into the real thing, which I mean, noted, it took us four years to even get to this space of like really unlearning, really trying to listen and kind of change I mean I would say even when we came up here our definition of like success or enough would still be somewhat mirrored by culture's success of you know lots of people even if it was measured by some different marks of like oh we want people to be like discipling or in a spiritual family it would it was still be marked by more and I think we're now finally in a season where that's not our mark of success, but it does just make me ask, well, then what, what is enough? What did Jesus, what was Jesus talking about? Did he just, did Jesus even talk about success? You know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good question. It makes me, um, it makes me think a lot about, I've been really wrestling with the importance of the sermon on the Mount Uh, As Jesus central teaching. And I think something I've been thinking a lot about is when we come to the great questions by the greatest thinkers ever to live, we shouldn't rush quick to answer those questions, but Mm -hmm. to actually let our life live into the answers. And so I think what you're bringing up feels massive. Mm -hmm. It might take a whole lifetime to figure that out. but I do think a couple simple things that I've really been thinking about is the measure of growth in America has been commodified to the point where you're not good enough unless you become a pastor mm-hmm. or a missionary or mm-hmm. join the worship team or do something in the the empirical environment of yeah, the, the way we yeah. Uh, yeah the way we mm-hmm. do church. And so that's obviously not what Jesus was up to because Jesus wasn't even in the temple and was doing something very subversive and different. And at the end, he had a very small group of people that were actually following him. And so that's obviously not the way. So I think we can discount that. And so it just begs the question, What is what can we define as growth right now? I think for me, I think it's got to be something that everybody can do, meaning there's got to be inequality involved in following Jesus and pursuing growth. And so for me, it has something to do with the inside of your life matching the outside of your life. Mm -hmm. It means your home is accessible. It means that people are learning from you, not just by the things that you say, but the way that you live. And they're they're being discipled by your example not only by your words and and i and i think to some there has to be some element of power you know jesus was most defined by the fact that he had a power and a prophetic sense to him that really defined him and mm-hmm. really it was it was that whole idea of heaven coming to earth this this new reality. And so I feel like that's got to be part of growth too, you know? So those are just some of the things I'm thinking about. I don't have all the answers, but it's definitely not do more, try harder, be better, Mm -hmm. become a pastor or a missionary or work at work, you know, be on staff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think, um, even just as you're talking about, I think the central idea of, kind of this new wave, even in evangelical spaces, is discipleship. It's like, let's go back to discipleship. Let's like, you know, even though evangelicals are very focused on, you guessed it, evangelism. But it is it is definitely becoming even more so. Like, I'm, I'm finding myself not even wanting to use that word as much because it feels more like a buzzword too. And I think in recent months, it's kind of felt like, the new way of colonization of like, okay, that's kind of still what it encapsulates in those evangelical spaces. And I think it's, it's created like something that I've heard in the past couple of weeks, like in those spaces is this idea of interpreting scripture to where there's kind of like two camps of humanity not just like we're all created, we're all in this life together. There is no like unity of humanity. It's like in order to center your culture on the commodity of growth, even if you want to call it discipleship, you have to create two separate groups so that one group can go like colonize or like poach from the other group. So in this sense, it would be Christians and, quote, non-Christians, where it's like, and we talked about this a little bit of like, in, uh I was listening to someone talk about the passage in John 10, where there's like the shepherd and the shepherd is the door for the sheep and the protector and is going to lead them in this new way. And Jesus is talking about that. And he gets to this place warning the people there's going to be thieves and robbers that try and promise you something different. And the way this person um, interpreted that scripture was that the thieves and the robbers were people with a secular way of life and a secular worldview. And so it's like Christian's job to vigilantly guard themselves against that secular person or people but then also the flip side of that is okay but also if they're interested then you should try and reach those secular people and i think i mean it's so far like there's so many layers of how far that is from what jesus was doing but i just wonder like maybe we can talk a little bit about that about just like the separatism and how how do we start you know what's jesus's example of almost healing that separatism because that was that was in the culture that he was coming into as well the pharisees were creating a lot of separatism of hierarchy all the things that we hear about now and how do we not go about discipleship as this like colonization of these secular people how do we like rewire our thinking like what would you say is like the
1: Yeah, gosh. Again, massive massive question to unpack. But first things that are coming to my mind is Yeah, is just realizing that every person is made, you know, in the from the creator in the image of God. And so that first and foremost should change the way that we see all people. Yeah, and I think some movements in history have really gotten that right, like the Celts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and the first, you know, the the followers of Jesus from the first three hundred years. Yeah, and so I think that's one thing. Um, mm. I think it's realizing that we have a lot to learn from every person. Mm-hmm. I also think there's there's things that we do as humans that either look like the enemy or or the devil, or that look like god or look like heaven Mm -hmm. or there's things that look like the empire and then there's things that look like um a new kind of reality that jesus was talking about so i think one thing that i've been doing a lot is seeing those qualities in people and and i think a big turning point for me even as i as i have followed jesus is when i started to meet people and make friends with people that quote-unquote didn't follow Jesus but looked and acted and sounded a lot more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that was a weird thing for me because for a while it was, well, this person says they follow Jesus, but they're horrible, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And then this person says they don't, but they're incredible. Right. And that was that was like a, a whole wall falling down for me mm-hmm. where, where I think I've come to the place – of really celebrating where I see Jesus. And yeah. and really where I see shalom, where I see mm-hmm. peace. Jesus Jesus said, go find people of peace. Yeah. Partner up with the peace. And I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of peace going on a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And uh and I think that's really just where God's working. I think this whole it's really hard too because Again, we take a lot of things out of context and we take these one lines and it's like, well, if somebody confesses with their mouth you know mm-hmm. and they're you know that Jesus is lord and uh and well, that means you're great and I'm like, man, I've heard a lot of people say that that have been yeah. tyrants mm-hmm. you know I mean, so I think there's that's that's a really hard thing to wrestle through um but i but i I think in humility, I've just come to a place where I just meet people, and I'm and I'm trying to really embrace just listening, yeah. and I'm seeing God in a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and it's. I'll tell you what, if you if you want to, I will say this, and this is this is real. Evangelism as a new follower of Jesus for me was ridiculous and dumb, and it felt so inauthentic. <laughs> and now, it like. Yeah. Telling people or evangelism is just pro- promoting, telling people about what you're excited about. Mm-hmm. Now telling people about Jesus in these authentic spaces of real conversation around real things like food and drink mm-hmm. is amazing. I mean, yeah. the stories I can tell you of amazing conversations around Jesus and spirituality. It's like wow, this is this actually feels like maybe what it's supposed to feel like it yes. feels so good. And yeah. there's tears and laughter and real questions mm-hmm. and fear. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is it. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of, I don't know if that answers, but
0: yeah, I think just as you're talking, I'm like, we can, I mean, I think this is the important process of asking these questions as they come up is that, we could talk about this until we're blue in the face, right? Like, yes, these are lifelong questions that I think it's really important to go into spaces where you're, you know, kind of unpacking what's going on in your internal struggle of the soul. You know, it's like, yes, of course. Like I think we all want clarity in being able to state, you know, this is what I believe or, Um, This is where I've settled. You know, this is what I think life is about. Like those are, I mean, yeah, like you're saying, the age old questions of humanity. But I think we've found, I think as a community in that process, yes, ask all those questions. But unlike the lie of evangelicalism, those do not have to be figured out for you to live your life like Jesus and i think that's like the lie of the yeah. of the growth of the arrival that there's like a very right way to do things to to a t and i think it's yeah. like well then your whole life you'll be tortured internally trying to figure out these beliefs because they're meant to be figured out as you go along and and it gives no space or flexibility for learning and growing and changing like how many people do I know in evangelical spaces that have changed what they believed? You know, it's all about not changing <laughs> what you believe and not becoming enlightened any any further than, you know, Jesus died for my sins and that's where I'll stay. I'll keep recreating that experience for the rest of my life, either in myself or in others. And I think even just as I'm thinking about you know, the example of Jesus partner, like looking for peace, like just thinking about like, okay, what is enough? And I think the, the verbiage that I've been hearing from a lot of voices that I've listened to recently is it's, it's not like, Oh, I want to be this. I don't know, this like Christ like this super Christian. It's like, I've heard it said more like, I want to be a good neighbor. And I want, you know, even hearing you talk about like, Jesus's example of like, it wasn't it wasn't providing peace. It wasn't bringing peace. It was partnering with the peace that was already there. Like suggesting that we aren't colonizing anything. We're actually just observing and jumping into what's already going on, um, which is just so much more free, I think. But I think we were talking about like, it's also so much harder. Like you think about, living I even think about who's celebrated in the Bible we talk about like the hall of faith you know like all these things or when people are mentioned and celebrated for their faith when people are healed from their faith like that's Mm -hmm. like always what Jesus is celebrating but I think we forget like or maybe we don't know faith is was never attachment to a belief system like it was It was living, it was putting the weight of your life on like the things that, that was true in heaven, that were true in heaven. You know, it's like, I actually believe healing could happen here. Um, It wasn't, you know, the 10 commandments being followed to the T like that wasn't, that's not faith, you know? And I think the faith to be a good neighbor and maybe even the faith to trust that that is enough. You know, that like we don't have to subscribe to the empirical structure of success or religion. You know, what What are you finding? I mean, does any of that resonate with what you're finding?
1: Yeah, I'd say another thing I read by Walter Brueggemann that has been something I've been thinking a lot about is he says neighborliness cannot happen in a commodity driven culture. Wow. And so I think that's that's something that we see, right? There's a lot of us that have a lot of issues and discomfort when we live in community, and that's because the way we live makes neighborliness impossible. Yeah. And I think that is like a real problem. So honestly, trying to follow Jesus in our culture and mm-hmm. uh that's why sometimes it almost feels impossible because mm-hmm. we really have to step outside of that and we have to be a, a community driven by something completely different. And that's why I think Walter wrote about the Sabbath because what he's saying is that a Sabbath is so alternative to a culture that keeps going. So he's saying a community that practices Sabbath is one that's actually starting to practice a different way of life Mm -hmm. that actually says, no, we can stop. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I kind of still think taking a day off could be the hardest thing.
0: Oh, it's so hard.
1: I mean, I do it, but I still many times end up working.
0: And what do you do? I mean, that's like (laughs) the whole other thing. We've never done that in our society. So then it's the question of, well, what do I do? You know? And, and I think it is this, you know, maybe we can land here that it's like, It is this idea that, yes, as we rest, it's not just we won't subscribe to the empire. It's not the same as saying we will hold on to our Christian worldview and abandon a secular worldview. It's actually saying in spite of under the (laughs) foot of the empire, we can still flourish and God can still make a way for all people to flourish. And I think that's like, you know, even being a good neighbor, it's the faith to be a good neighbor is trusting that we can, we can flourish. Like I believe in the flourishing of people, of the marginalized, of someone who I don't know yet of, you know, who, I mean, whoever fill in the blank, you know?
1: Yeah. The, the reality is, the connection. You're right. The connection, Dana, is, you know, Sabbath is not like a thing we have to do because we have to do it or a thing we have to do because it's Christian worldview. It's, it's really a thing we have to do to be neighborly because yeah. if we don't create space like that, we can't actually ever talk to our neighbors or befriend our neighbors. Mm-hmm. We don't ever have time. And we're so tired that when we do have time, we just want to, Go hide because, and this is another thing I'll just bring up is, is this is kind of the, the paradox of it all is like, I would say probably a lot of evangelicals watch a lot of sports on their day Mm -hmm, off mm -hmm. where it's like, even when we do take time off, it's all filled with
0: consuming,
1: with more commodity, with more money. Man, that's so challenging to me because Mm -hmm. I will even say yesterday as I'm trying to practice this, it's like it hits like one in the afternoon and I'm slightly bored and and I'm starting to like want to do something. Mm -hmm. And I just, I looked at Courtney and I said, only thing I can do right now that's not work is take a nap. So let me go take a nap. And I did and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. But it took a long time to even fall asleep because my mind is yeah is racing and so again i'm just i love i get so awakened by this cuz i really once i get a little picture of it it really feels like the good stuff of life yeah yeah that's really what it feels like and so man it's just this is this has been amazing and so yeah growth it's it's the irony and the paradox it's like it's that whole thing of Jesus saying first will be last, last will be first. Mm-hmm. In so many ways it feels like as I, you know, release the the pressure to, to kind of continue grow, growing everything, I'm, I'm actually growing mm-hmm. internally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think we've always said like growth is a byproduct. Like that's something that we've been yeah, saying we've for said a that really a lot. long time. And I think... I I do think that is true. I think the more that I'm living and really like unlearning, learning new things, listening to other voices, like even decolonizing like my own faith. It's like, I think growth is definitely a byproduct, but I think it's like the byproduct of not just saying I'm going to live in the rhythms of Jesus and like create a new checklist. It's like, no, I'm going to have the faith that, I will flourish if I live like Jesus, like in every space, like not just try and contain it to a, yeah. a pat a pattern of reading my Bible. Or like, you know, just the same checklist of like evangelicalism. Yeah. That just a new checklist, you know, or discipling these people. Or but it's like actually the more that I allow Jesus, the kingdom, God's like desire for everyone to flourish, even if that means I sacrifice like my faith of letting that invade every space and place of my soul, my mind, my body, my house, my, you know, like everything that I possess, like that actually, that's how, you know, that's what produces this byproduct of growth. It's like the more that I can just allow that to like take over. I don't know if I don't yeah. know if that makes sense or I, if you have stuff to add to that. Yeah,
1: I would just say for Americans, growth for us as followers of Jesus has to be intensely tied to our ability to um uncommodify our faith. Mm-hmm. That's what it really is. Mm-hmm. I think if you if you can ask yourself are you becoming less driven by commodity? then I would say you're growing. Yeah. I think that's, that's really where I'm at because I just see the intensity of that. So if you're becoming less about that and more about neighbor, Mm -hmm. neighborliness, Mm -hmm. I think we're getting somewhere. If you're becoming less commodity driven, but still all about yourself, Mm -hmm. then again, I don't, that's not, that's, I see that happen a lot. Yeah, and so and that's a big issue. The whole self still a commodity. Exactly the the selfish comfort. Exactly the this the inwardness is is still about commodity. Mm -hmm. That's it is. It's so it's like getting outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and being able to step outside of that—that's really hard. I've noticed. I mean, that's the whole thing. Anxiety, all this stuff is driven by the pressure of continuing. Yeah, and so. Yeah, I think we'll see growth, and we'll see people release from that as, mm-hmm. as that becomes less the defining mark of of our lives. And yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at.
0: That's good, and that's perfect. That's why I want to have these conversations because I think this is a good example of what it looks like to reimagine the way of Jesus in our culture. I mean, I think that's what we all feel called to. That's what I feel called to even in, in these conversations. And so um, anyways, that's why I feel like it was just important to stop and, and leave space for this question. So thanks Anton.
1: Thanks Dana.